Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's right. Slam. This bug's for you. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazadcast. It's officially 42 days until kickoff, and uh, I'm your host of today's show. I'm Brendan Anthony, and with me, as always, is uh, is Steve Spurrier's media relations advisor, Colin Anthony. Thanks for having me. Not with us today is uh, Brian Goers, who uh, is on vacation. Um, He's actually at a Swiss asylum to treat the sexually deviant right now. Um, He'll be back in a couple of weeks, though. He needed this. (laughs) <laughs> this time not just him but a, a lot of the community needed it <laughs> yes. new intro yeah how about that are you jacked i'm all jacked up it's season two a lot of new things coming at us yeah not the least of which is uh let's see we haven't been uh, we haven't had a show since uh since i don't think since harold brantley had his tragic car accident which uh, he was damaged badly he's He's going to make a full recovery, but it will impact his 2015 season. In fact, it will mean that he's not going to have a 2015 season. That's tough. It is tough for a line that's already damaged um, after the dismissal of uh, one of the defensive ends who would be taking the place of Shane Ray. And, Long, yeah. Yeah, Loud. Loud. Uh, yeah. Where the fuck his name is. Yeah. <laughs> that guy that's not here no more. You can just as well forget his name because he won't be playing for us at all. Yep. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, it was also SEC Media Days recently, and uh, there's a lot of talk about the defense on the Tiger side because that was supposed to be one of the strengths. Well, I think, you know, if, if uh, the Tigers are going to compete for another East championship, uh, Georgia, to me, is the biggest threat, despite what some of the SEC media might think. We'll get into that a little later. But um, you need the Harold Brantleys of the world to slow down the Nick Chubbs of the world, I feel like. Damn right. Now, they, they, they keep saying that uh, we have a lot of experience at secondary, and that should continue to be a strength of ours. But it would have been a lot better if we had a strong line. Not to say that we're not going to have a strong line, but it's certainly taking a hit with Brantley. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who um, a lot of people speculated would be first-round talent for the NFL. So you don't lose first-round talent on your defensive line and not feel some effect from that. One of the things uh, we heard from Coach Pinkle at the media days was uh, that Brantley is expected to be able to play football again. That's which, good. Which is very good news for him. It just won't be this year. Um, and so some of the other younger players are going to have to step up. And uh, I think Josh Augusta, who was even battling for his spot on the mm-hmm. squad earlier during the spring, um, is now definitely going to be required 
to uh, pick up his game. I wonder if, uh, and I didn't hear in the SEC media days if Pinkle addressed it, if Terry Beckner Jr. is even expected to make any sort of impact this year as a freshman, but you would hope that maybe being he's, you know, this big time recruit, maybe he can step in and immediately make an impact. I don't know, but uh, it would certainly be nice in the absence of uh, Harold Brantley. Well, one of the things I think when you pick up a big five-star star like uh, like Beckner Jr. is that uh, those types of guys can come in right away and play their freshman year if so required. Well, he certainly looks like a full-grown fucking man, so I don't know that how much maturation he needs before he can, uh, like, you know, step on the field and compete but it's unbelievable that they make 17 and 18 year olds that look like that <laughs> they're not they're not human beings i mean I, they really feel like they're from another planet like i stand next to that guy in an elevator and no i mean we're not even the same creature no he's just he, a, an adonis he could pick up a truck without breaking a sweat <laughs> yeah so it, it'll be nice to have him there and uh he'll have to hopefully make an immediate impact on the team but, uh, you know, that being said, I guess we should get into the media days because that was if not. It's the time of year where the media acts like they're going to learn a whole bunch of information. Yeah. And never do. Especially in college where, truthfully, even the coaches at this point don't know what their rosters will be. Uh, you know, the depth chart will be on the opening day. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of competition this time of year to even get, you, you know, positions filled and. I mean, certainly there's there's players like Matty Mock you know are going to be playing in uh, you know, Hansborough and stuff, but there's a lot of kids competing for time, especially like in our wide receiver core. So to ask Gary Pinkle what's going to be happening day one, how the fuck do you answer that? Well, I think a lot of the coaches say um, we're, we're in great shape. Mm-hmm. We're going to win a lot of games. Nobody ever says we are a dumpster <laughs> fire. This is a rebuilding year. We are going to suck balls. <laughs> uh, It'd be refreshing. Interestingly, Florida is going to be playing without the uh, the assistance of head coach Will Muschamp, and yet um, now that he's a defensive coordinator, went over at Auburn. Yeah, um, the defensive problems are solved. Yeah, he's he's a he's a genius. Uh, even though he was run out of rail when he was in Florida. Well, it's just like Lane Kiffin last year. He's at uh, Alabama, and their offense is. I mean, he's the best assistant coach in the world, according to Paul Feinbaum, but I didn't remember Alabama's offense being some juggernaut. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't good, and it wasn't – I didn't see, see it go improvement in leaps and bounds because of Lane Kiffin. Well, it certainly didn't help them against uh, Ohio State. No, no, I didn't hear a lot of uh, people beating the drum for Lane Kiffin uh, in that game. No, not, not at all. So one of the things um, about the SEC media days, one of the things that comes out of it is they, uh, they poll the media – and they ask you know, who they think will win, the East, the West, who's the overall best team in the country. And uh, the Tigers have famously fallen pretty low in the rankings in the SEC East, each, both years that they ended up winning the East. And so uh, it was curious to see where they were going to fall in the rankings this year. Yeah. And so um, to my surprise, the media – voted for South Carolina to take the East this year. Well, that's the SEC media. I mean, I when you look at, like, ESPN, uh, that is not their pick. In fact, North Carolina or, – or South Carolina, sorry, is uh, is really not even in the conversation. But um, I don't know. I, I, does the SEC have their finger on the pulse because they're so close to it, or are they just – they're too close to it, and, you know, from a 20,000-mile view – you can see that they're not very good. I don't know. I, it's interesting to me because, uh, for instance, Tennessee, uh, people have been talking for the last couple of years about the great recruits that have been coming to Tennessee and the program that Butch Jones has put together. 
Yet, uh, the, the media has picked them to finish just above Kentucky, second to last in the East. So all this talk for the last two years about t- the rise of Tennessee, it doesn't seem to factor into the media picks this year. And South Carolina, th- here's the thing. Last year, Florida was picked highly. They ended up being a total dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And I think at the beginning of that season, we were like, why is Florida picked so highly? They had a really, really bad year. They're going to yep. have to climb a lot. That's how I feel about South Carolina this year. They had a terrible, terrible season last year, and now they're supposed to win the East? Well, I think there's uh, there's reason to be skeptical of Steve Spurrier at this point. I mean, he is – I feel like the wheels are coming off a little bit on that guy. It, depending on if you talk to ESPN or the SEC Network, uh, which is part of ESPN, you know, Missouri's going to be third or fourth. They are picked third with ESPN, and that is the highest ranking right. that they have ever received. The SEC media picked Missouri fourth between, behind it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. That's another shocker to me. But, uh, you know, Georgia seems like the obvious pick for me in the East. They, yeah, I don't – I mean, I feel like they've got a ton of return, uh, returning talent. Um, they were probably second to Missouri in the conference last year. In, right, in and, 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 of course, they killed Missouri head-to-head. Yeah. And a lot of people thought they were actually the better team. But, uh, of course, Georgia does what Georgia does and sh- shoots themselves in the foot. Yeah. But uh, but this year they've got Nick Chubb come back, and of course he looks like one of the strongest running backs in the conference, if not the Ever. country. And uh, you know they have quarterback questions because they're going to have to they're going to have change there. Missouri, strangely, is one of the few teams that actually has no quarterback questions going into the season, even though uh, their quarterback Matty Mock is always a question mark <laughs> yeah. from game to game. Yeah. Um, but ESPN from top to bottom, I mean, of course the SEC has taken a lot of uh, hits from the. Uh, media and, and on the whole, you know, we're not as good as we blah, 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 whatever. But Alabama's picked number two in the preseason polls. LSU number three, which kind of surprised me. I, a lot of people think thinking LSU's going to kind of take a fall a little bit. But a lot of people like what they've done recruiting. Old Miss at eight, Georgia at nine, Arkansas at like, uh, ten. We're kind of jumping around a bit. You're talking about the, 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 just the top 25. Right. A&M, it's at 11, Tennessee at 14, Auburn at 18, Mississippi State at 22, and Mizzou at 24. Right. So here's the top 25, Brennan. And forgive me, did I say South Carolina? Now, I didn't hear it. in the East, but in the ESPN's top 25, they're not even on the fucking list. I don't know. I don't know where the game is. The discrepancy is strange. It is indeed. Um, I, you know, and, and that's another thing that has come out um, of all the talking during the uh, SEC media days in, in lovely Hoover, Alabama, is the uh, continued dominance of the West in the SEC. And while SEC West teams have been stronger, I don't know. I mean, look at the bowl season. The West absolutely shit the bed. Mm-hmm. The East, while playing weaker bowls, 
won them all. They they looked like a conference or a division on the rise to me, and all of that seems to be forgotten just a scant six or seven months later. I'm curious, Hoover, Alabama was, you know, buttfuck, <laughs> buttfuck Alabama unavailable? I mean, Hoover. Well, uh, buttfuck Alabama, uh, there were no hotel rooms available. <laughs> there, <laughs> there was an incest convention in town. Yeah. So Hoover uh, gets the nod. Um, yeah, I was in Alabama uh, during the uh, the media days, and it's it's amazing to me how how college football is all there is in that part of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, they have no competition from professional sports, or let's be honest, uh, intellectual academic <laughs> pursuits. pursuits of any type. No, that, that's not a concern down there. SEC media days are a little bit are fun though. It gives us something to talk about in the middle of this, the doldrums. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, we, we haven't done a show in a while because there's just yeah. absolutely week in and week out. There's nothing to talk about. You look at all the websites, you read all the, the trades, you read anything you can, and there's just there's just you can't make up enough. I don't know how Paul Feinbaum does it. I well, guess you can see if you it. take calls from rum dum rubes <laughs> yeah. every day that just scream into the microphone. well. I think what you see is just like the sh- shoe gate. Um, if you're not familiar, yeah. uh, Dan Mullins and Arkansas's Belima, they all wore fancy shoes. And uh, that's Gary a Pinkle, topic of conversation. Yeah, Gary Pinkle forgot his to wear his gold LeBron James, but you know the the shoes the coaches are wearing is a relevant headline topic from of- the media days. I mean, that's how little there is to really go on. Um, it's 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 kind of fun from my standpoint because we you know we're inundated with Pinkle because we're here in Columbia, but to see some of these coaches, hear them talk, and get an idea of what their personalities are, you find you know I didn't know much about some of these guys. Um, Really, and then you hear guys like uh, uh, Coach Freeze talk, and he, that guy. Oh. Hugh Freeze had an old mess. Yeah, just wow. He's just like a bumper sticker uh, talking. I mean, just like inspirational. inspirational quotes, Bible verses. I mean, the guy is a fucking nut job. <laughs> I mean, you, he really could only motivate 19-year-olds because. Luckily, anybody, that is his job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because if, he, if he, he had to try to motivate a, 30, uh, a 30-year-old, you just your eyes would become, you know, fatigued from rolling so often it's ridiculous yeah and there was a i saw a little stir up on twitter hugh freeze doesn't take to twitter often unless he is quoting the bible or <laughs> uh inspirational bumper stickers but he took uh personally an insult that came his way from a mississippi state fan who accused him of recruiting by telling young high school players that uh, mississippi state's coach uh mullen dan mullen is mm-hmm. uh, is an atheist yeah the uh some of the stuff I saw said that what it, it had been corroborated by some recruits that this, this you know he had mentioned, said this and of course he denies it uh, completely. Right. But uh, wherever you stand on religion, I'd almost uh, rather play for Dan Mullins as an atheist after listening to Hugh Freeze as a de- diehard Christian, just because I question his intelligence well i guess it should be said that dan mullen's not an atheist although <laughs> no. i don't I, I checked the books it is not a crime if you were <laughs> no no but in i think in sec country yeah, it might South well it might be. be yeah um I, honestly i'm surprised the uh, the confederate flag didn't come up in conversations in sec well because, no i think they brought it up didn't they i don't know i don't know Let's, i, pay I don't want to talk about it, from it. <laughs> exactly but uh yeah so uh, Coach Pinkle, who usually steers clear of controversy of any sort because he never says anything substantive. No. Um, I assume it just to the media. I don't know. Maybe he does. He saves it for the kids, I hope. <laughs> but he did cause a, a little stir, which, again, like you said, if it were anything going on in sports right now, uh, it wouldn't be a stir at all. But he mentioned that uh, he felt 
that independent teams should not have a shot at the college football playoffs, that they should all join a, a, a conference, a Power 5 conference, if they want to be considered because they don't go up against the same caliber of opponent. And I saw a lot of the criticism was not necessarily that uh, take on, on independence, but he compared it to the NFL and said, there's no independence in the NFL. And people were like, well, the college isn't the NFL. Yeah, but I, Except I, it's the exact feeding ground for the NFL. Well, I think they're just jumping around making a defense of basically the, the other side of the coin for what he's saying. But all he's really saying is that in this day and age, what is the point of being independent? I mean, really, ultimately, I mean, Notre Dame's already playing like five ACC teams. They've signed this contract. They're, they're basically an ACC team, in, independent in name alone, ultimately. Right. So why not just join? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like kind of like Indiana and Arizona refusing to do daylight savings time like every other state. <laughs> At some point, it's not a matter of any reasoning. It's just a matter of stubbornness, I think. Yeah, and like for Notre Dame, I think it's just a, another feather in their cap. Hey, we're independent. We've got our own television contract. We're our own entity. They're, I, they're living in the past. You know, Notre Dame wants to cling to this uh, right. legacy of college football greatness. And, you know, but fuck it, there's Alabamas and Oklahomas of the world who have well, college football this, greatness. How long are they going to be so popular and relevant? I mean, I don't, I mean, I guess in this, this part of the world they're not, but to be independent, they haven't been really, really good in a long time. I mean, they've been competitive, but they haven't won anything in quite some time. And at some point you'd think that they would, when the Alabamas of the world are winning national championships fairly regularly, that Notre Dame would just become another college football team and wouldn't have the cachet to need their own television contract at some point they would need to join a league just to to maintain some relevancy but yeah i don't know when that's going to happen it is the one thing about college football is things change slowly i mean if at all how long did it take to just get to an, a college football playoff at all i mean notre dame's last attempt at a national championship was against um, alabama as you mentioned and they got their tubs thumped <laughs> yeah they got their poop packed up in there way far yeah so I don't know. I, I'm going to defend Pinkle on this one. I, I don't think it's much of controversy at all. And uh, no, I don't think it's a controversial statement. I don't. I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, yeah, and good for Pinkle for taking a stand on something. For Christ's sake, that's one thing that irritates me is the the SEC media, the college football media world wants to have these media days where the coaches and the players go out and they answer question after question after question days on end, and then whenever a coach goes out and he says something and has an actual you know, opinion to share, he gets tromped on by the media for doing it. And it's like, do you want to talk to these guys and hear things? Or do you just want the same old bullshit? We're going to give it 110%. We're looking great. Everything's going to be perfect this year. Answers. Well, and um, that's the the biggest response I saw from sports writers too was kind of them like, what's Pinkle talking about? He's kind of talking at a turn, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I I just feel like what he said was not that crazy. No, and, and, and he's a long-term college football coach. If he's not an expert in this area to talk about it, who the hell is? Yeah. You know, some jack off that's been on ESPN for 30 minutes, mm -hmm. you know, and wears a suit. Um, like let, let coach Pinkle have his thoughts on that topic because it's, it's just as relevant or more so than all these people who don't have any experience well, actually working in the league. And I think ultimately, I, I guess I'm sure that Notre Dame must feel like being independent is a, uh, is some sort of uh, benefit to them. But, Ultimately, I think it's it's backwards thinking. I think it works against them at some point. Well, know? yeah, you know, and you mentioned, like, when do they just become some other team? And I think that's part of the problem is deep down they know that they are just some other team now. And if they were to join a conference and then just get picked fourth in the ACC, to finish fourth in the ACC or whatever and just kind of be forgotten about, it, it would be 
codified that they actually are just another team. But because they can call themselves an independent, because they have a separate TV thing, they're Notre Dame. They're, mm-hmm. they're a, a separate thing. But it's just a name only at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, Texas always threatened to go independent every time the Big 12 would get a little bit their panties in a bunch with the, you know, Texas basically manhandling the league. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, that's was their big threat. We got our own TV network. We'll just go out on our own. Yeah, and now they get beat by Baylor on the regular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you got to look forward to, Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking Texas and such jackasses. Um I don't know. I, I'm happy that uh, Texas sucks, and I'm happy that Notre Dame sucks. Now, if you saw any news out of the Big Twelve uh, media days, it was a it was a jack off fest. Um, they are a absolute train wreck. Um, it's I'm really happy. I, I'm happier every year that we are not part of the Big Twelve. You know, a, a league that I was proud of at one point, and now I'm just like, thank Christ. They're a dumpster fire of the highest order. But um, I don't want to get into that just yet, Colin, because like we said, there's not a whole hell of a lot going on in the college football world. And if we just tear through our bullet points, sure. um, we're just going to have to have dead air, which I'm not going to be honest. It might be a little better for uh, some of you to listen to dead air than to hear us drone on. Sure. Because we're, we're morons. So. We're awful. Anyway, let's take our first break, and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Big 12 and uh, whatever else suits us. Oh, we do have a little bit of Kansas news coming your way, which is always important, and it never takes a break. So uh, until then, uh, let's take that break. And I'm Brendan Seenberg with Colin Seenberg, and this is Mazzotcast. throw that used cell phone away, sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. And we're back, and uh, as Colin mentioned before the break, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Big 12, our favorite uh, conference that we love to hate. Um, It has become the shit show of college football. Uh, Big 12 has 10 teams now because uh, why wouldn't they? they? A lot of them, a lot of the conference elite would like to add teams to it, but who the hell would they add sure. at this point? Everybody's realigned already. Um, and a, a point of contention with the Big 12 is uh, sort of brought up by the Kansas City star Sam Mellinger recently uh, is Oklahoma's president, David Boren, who uh, has raised another stink um, in the Big 12 and, and just highlighted again how the Big 12 is uh, one of the more dysfunctional conferences that are out there. Yeah, one of the uh, direct quotes from Mellinger's article that uh, I think describes the Big 12 very succinctly is that um, the Big 12 is less a group of like-minded institutions made stronger by a partnership than it is 10 schools without better options. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. This is college sports' most disconnected league. <laughs> it is, and, and Texas has historically been the problem child of the league because they want to have control over everything, and they want everybody else to be subservient to them. Uh, now, however, the... Um, the uh, they don't have the power to do that. They're not a great team themselves. And uh, what was born from Oklahoma recently called the league psychologically disadvantaged by not having 12 members. So uh, this is while all the other Big 12 reps were basically saying they're happy where they are. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't they don't tow a company line, so to speak. They are uh, all of them separate entities. Yeah. 
And uh, it's a, a Mellinger's article described Boren as uh, seen by many as ego-driven, selfish, and disruptive. <laughs> <laughs> Great hire, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's good the, stuff. <laughs> they are uh, – when uh, the SEC Network had uh, Mizzou Day on their network uh, a while back, they played the Kansas uh, – Mizzou football game, uh, oh, yeah. and it was great. And uh, from a few years back with Chase Daniels and the gang, I believe you mentioned that you watched it with us, with your Jurgens and uh, <laughs> yes, and yes, Clinics I was too messant. The um, but uh, you know talking about it on Twitter, tweeting about it. You know Kansas uh, loved to you know they were they were ribbing us and oh you guys you know obsessed with us and blah 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 blah. And one of the best responses I saw from a guy was, "Hey, when's a Kansas Day on the Texas Network?" <laughs> and yeah. it, because it, it's crazy. I mean, we're in a we're in a league that has its own network, and everybody kind of uh, does row in the same direction. And then you've got that conference, who's basically got two brand new teams. They've only got ten teams. Um, they've got one network that belongs to one team in the conference. It's it's crazy when you start breaking it down piece by piece, just how what a dumpster fire this is. And what respectable program would want to jump into that fray? No, and nobody. And they're talking about, oh, maybe you could add BYU. And I can't remember some of the other teams they were talking about, but nobody that would bring you any sort of cachet. I mean, it was they, – they are left holding the bag. I mean, there's who are they going to add that would bring them any relevancy? I, if anything, I feel like at some point Oklahoma and Texas are going to go, let's go someplace else. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, there's been that's the rumor mill is that Oklahoma has been uh, shopping around to go to a different school, and I think certainly uh, SEC people talk about Oklahoma joining the SEC, they would seem like a natural contender. Oklahoma's history and track record would make them a desirable team to have, now, but I don't know if the nobody, SEC's in the hunt for another yeah, team. Well, you know, nobody in the uh, nobody has outright said it, um, you know, officially, but. There is kind of a quiet agreement, uh, to, uh, according to some, that you know the SEC kind of has an open invitation for Oklahoma and Texas. When you guys are ready, just so you know. Now, who knows if that's true, but it would make sense. I mean, the SEC, I think, would be silly not to want those two programs with their history and, uh, and clout. Yeah, and, you know, there was uh, – I was talking to a guy when I was down there in Alabama that uh, he was saying, you know, a lot of people when they picked up a Missouri, they, the old SEC faithful were like, why would they get a Missouri? You know, why would they try to pick up a, a Florida State? Somebody, somebody seemed like a natural SEC geographical team. But the realization was that by picking up a Missouri, they stretched their geographic borders. Whereas at Florida State, you're picking up somebody who's already in that area. Yeah. And, you, you know, you pick up Kansas City and St. Louis markets with the Missouri, and that ultimately is uh, rewarded both the SEC with its launch of its own network and it's rewarded Missouri. I mean, with two straight SEC East titles and an up, you know, an uptick in their profile nationally, uh, that looks like a good pick. You know, I, I don't disagree that a Texas or an Oklahoma would definitely do that as well. Um, but, but, you know, from the big 12 side of things, there isn't a, there isn't a place that would improve their geographic footprint or their status, certainly not their status as a college football uh, conference. You know, Kansas is looking, staring in the barrel of going over. I mean, I was listening to um, Sports Talk Radio out of Kansas City this week, and they had uh, some guy from the Star, I can't remember, Kirkhoff, Blair Kirkhoff, I believe. Anyway, he was essentially saying they need to win their first game against, like, South Dakota State because it's going to be their best chance to get a win all season. Well, they haven't won a road conference game in years. Mm-hmm. They just have not won one. Um, they're, they're not a competitive football program, and uh, it brings me great joy. Uh, you know, and 
Iowa State is terrible. Yeah, as, as they always are. And what happens to Kansas State once Bill Schneider and whatever magic wand he carries leaves? I mean, because they have basically been on hard times anytime he's not there, and he does do something magical. I mean, I feel like he's wildly overrated within the Kansas City area as a coach, but ultimately you can't argue with the results. He does seem to figure it out. Keeps Kansas State in the fray. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to briefly touch on the fact that the SEC network um, doing much like, you know, we talked about how there's not a lot to talk about. Some brilliant programmer decided to have these SEC takeover days where essentially one school per day and then the SEC would get the entire day of programming devoted to them. And one of the highlights was the for Missouri's takeover day was that Missouri-Kansas 2008 game where, um, you know, they played an arrowhead and it was uh, Chase Daniels era versus Todd Reesing. Of Kansas, the ginger-headed warrior, Ooh. and uh, all four foot eight of him. God, talk about that that um, rivalry between Missouri and Kansas. You can tell how alive it still is, just based on the, the Twitter reactions while that game was going on. People were talking about it as if it were a live game and not one that was oh, you know, know well over seven years old. It's amazing to me that um, how butthurt Kansas is about Mizzou leaving. And it, I just feel like it's foolish because if, if Kansas were in our shoes, would they really have turned it down? They, no, of course not. It, Mizzou got an opportunity that Kansas would love to have, and they just – I don't understand why anybody's butthurt at A&M or Mizzou. I mean, especially considering the state of the Big 12. It would be different if the Big 12 was you know, on par with the SEC or at least uh, – or maybe even better than the SEC and be like, why would you leave Mizzou? But, I mean, this is a – Especially at that time, Dan Beebe was the president, and it, I mean, it was a it was a shit show. It was awful, and and, and, and you know, the interesting thing about the Big Twelve now is they have such low expectations versus the SEC, where the, you know, two years where the SEC doesn't win a national championship, and people regard the SEC as in like free fall almost, mm-hmm. yeah, because they haven't they won't won a national championship in two years, and uh, my God, how, you know. We had Florida State, <coughs> excuse me, and Ohio State, and then you know the, easily this year any SEC West team almost could be a contender. Well, and it, it just goes to show you in, in ESPN's top twenty-five, there are ten SEC teams in their top twenty-five. 10. Well, there's what four of them in the top ten. Yeah, so I mean, it's they can people the critics can say what they want, but it, the facts don't lie. Uh, SEC is really really good, and Mizzou would be, had been foolish to to not have gone there, and the. The Big 12's butthurt, Kansas and especially, just seems misplaced. And I can't help but think that if Kansas's football team was good right now, that the idea of restarting that rivalry would be much more accelerated. Oh, because yeah. ultimately they know they'd kill us in basketball, but we've discussed it before, basketball is, uh, you know, is kids' shit compared to football, ultimately as far as revenues and, and, and uh, relevancy is concerned. Yeah, and I think we mentioned that in an earlier podcast where um, you know it really hurts as far as getting those two teams together because right now it's a foregone conclusion that Missouri would kill Kansas in football, and it's a foregone conclusion that Kansas would kill Missouri in basketball. So from either side, there's no advantage to one school or another. But everybody knows that football is weighted. So you know ultimately – Kansas, look, I think Kansas would never admit it out loud, but Mizzou thumping them in football ultimately looks worse for Kansas than Kansas beating Mizzou to dirt looks good for them. You know what I mean? It's, it, it looks good to beat Missouri in basketball, but it looks really bad to get just shit showed 
ran up on by Mizzou in football, and that's what would happen. Well, because of the history of, of Kansas and how they have been bad at football and so good at basketball. You know, you look at Kansas people, and they talk about – they're talking about college basketball right now mm-hmm. rather than football. Yeah. And so they look at the college sports world differently than everyone else does. Of course, they look at the real world differently than everyone else does because they believe it to be flat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not that far afield from no no it's not really yeah. yeah it's it's unfortunate in a lot of ways i mean it's unfortunate for college football in the whole you know the big 12 being good is good for fo- college football and uh i really wonder if at some point it's going to be the big eight again yeah. and it's going to be and an and equivalent of like a mountain west as mm-hmm. far as their you know power you know one thing that's different between the two conferences as well is because the sec has been so good possibly um and the sec is kind of a personality driven conference as well there's got a lot of guys like nick saban and steve spurrier who are headline drivers they're they're headline drivers on their own and there's not really anybody i can think of in the big 12 off the top of my head other than maybe bob stoops sure that uh that is a, a personality that can drive headlines Above and beyond, you know, the performance of the teams. Well, we didn't even mention Spurrier's meltdown via the like the media days, and he, in essence, there was a article written in Georgia about Steve Spurrier basically uh, being old, losing his fastball, however you want to put it, and then the local uh, Carolina paper picked it up, and uh, Spurrier called his own press conference to basically a forty-five minute long press conference to complain about an article and even paul feinbaum was like this is, it made him look like a uh, something like a uh, crazy uncle living in an attic mm-hmm. i mean it's not a good look no but that i, mean, I feel like that is steve spurrier's go-to look <laughs> it's his go-to he is definitely uh, that and tan tan very tan uh, he's not mm-hmm. a big fan of sunblock no he's not yeah he spent a lot of time out in the sun um yeah spurrier is is a unique animal you know it, Something else I noticed watching the uh, media days is Mizzou is still very much – and honestly, we've only been there three years. I don't know what I I expect. I mean there's always the talk of respect and whatnot. But we are – I don't think it's not even such a lack of respect that um, a lot of the SEC media hasn't watched much Mizzou football ultimately. Like they're still not paying much attention. You know, and and, um, there are signs of that everywhere. I mean our our favorite virgin over at – what is it? uh, PowerMizzou.com, Pete Scantleberry. Uh, noted in a tweet, uh, Mizzou has not had a first-team preseason pick since joining the conference. Not one, but has tied with and was second uh, for uh, postseason first-team players. So, again, this year nobody looks at the Mizzou roster and says that's a first-team talent. Right. You know, and and maybe and granted, Mizzou doesn't have a ton of star power right now, but. Uh, and maybe if Harold Brantley was still healthy, they would have put him on there. But, you know, Hansborough, I feel like he could be second team. Um, D- Kenya Dennis, from a cornerback standpoint, I mean, I feel like he should garner some inf- – j- it's to me, yeah, it's when, just like they don't even put us on – they don't even consider Mizzou players because they yeah. don't know anything about them. Yeah, uh, you talk about running backs, and when they talk about running backs in the SEC, Hansborough does not even come up in the conversation. Nope. And I look for him to put up big numbers this year. If for no other reason, um, Matty Mock doesn't really have anybody to throw to. So they're going to lean on the run. Sure. Hansborough's the elder statesman on the, on, in the running game. If he stays healthy, he's going to put up numbers comparable to almost any running and back in the conference. And not even an offensive or defensive lineman of any type. You'd think that just by virtue of having some – upperclassmen on the offensive line that somebody might have said, hey, you know, Evan Bame or, you know, McGovern, somebody's going to be pretty good this year. And we'll put well, we have on a, a strong team. linebacker core, too, as well. You know, we, uh, 
what do we got? Um, brothers? Yeah, Brothers and Shearer. I don't know how many should be on the list, but to not have anyone, and not just this year, Brennan, in the three years that we've been in the conference, Shane Ray didn't make first team. No. Marcus Golden didn't make first team. Bud Sasser didn't make first team. Um, Michael Sam, Coney Ely, you know, who is playing football in the NFL. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. these guys are weren't picked on a first team roster but like i said in the, when it comes postseason time it's it's like it sneaks up on these the press from the sec and it to me it just points to they just haven't even looked in our general direction yet and it's going to take some time before they do uh, to me we are not even part of the sec yet in a lot of their minds yeah they're not saying we're not part of it but they're not acknowledging that we're part of it either which is almost the same thing well and and you know you look at Missouri winning the East the last couple of years. People talk about Florida being down, Tennessee being down. Georgia's not been down, but we've come across, we've come ahead of those guys. Uh, and in any, any given year, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee, they can be top five programs. These are national championship winning programs. And so um, I, I really feel like even winning 10 games in the league, it, it, they still look at the wins as shithouse luck, despite right. how many of them there are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that has absolutely been the case. They, they look at our entire resume of wins as lucky wins or wins that came at the right time because we caught people at a bad time. But at some point, there has to be a cumulative effect. And, would hope. And, and yeah, you just add, do the math and you think, well, that's a lot of wins. They can't all have been luck. Yeah, you would think. Well, and if you just look at the talent that's gone to the NFL, I mean – they have had good football players, despite what uh, the SEC may be missing. <laughs> they're they're there, but uh, it's it's just crazy to me that, that not one person in three years. And I mean, like I said again, this year not so much. I get it, um, but I will say one thing: I have seen uh, in the few articles that I have seen written about the Tigers when the SEC uh, press does uh, decide to walk down that road at all, which is rare. They, a lot of the talk has been about Matty Bonk because right. he is a returning quarterback. They, they, you know, and he is talented. And I've heard the uh, uh, Manziel comparisons. Now, nobody says right. he's going to be Manziel in their articles, but they're saying that the skill set, you know, he's a mobile quarterback with a good arm and kind of a playmaker and gunslinger type, um, which we've all seen. I mean, he does some crazy shit. But, you know, like Manziel, there's the is he a rockhead, uh, which yeah. I think we've – uh, you know, at some point, I feel like this year we're really going to find out what Matty Mock is because he's not going to have great receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if he has a great season, it will be because he is he made it. something out yeah, of nothing. Yeah, he's willed it. You know, and they talked about um, because he's mobile, seen a, a lot more designed runs for him, things like that, mm-hmm. to make up for the deficiencies at wide receiver. I'm hoping that somebody just blows us away at wide receiver. Somebody out of nowhere becomes relevant and somebody's relevant. going to have to show up out of default i mean <laughs> he's got to throw it to somebody well and it's not going to be the tight end <laughs> no yeah uh you know let's let's hope that uh, that the tight end position gets stronger because um if we would have had strong tight end play or if morgan stewart would have been healthy i think you would have seen a lot more options offensively that when mock struggled last year which was several games he would have had a few other people to bail him out and he's not going to have any better of a circumstance this season no um, but, uh, you know, talking about the season and, uh, one of the things I was thinking about with the SEC crew is that they all, they, they talk about how Missouri has a fa- favorable schedule this year. And they say that really, that, well, th- who they play at home, who they play sure. on the road okay. and everything. 
And so um, I was thinking, Colin, maybe we go down the list of these games and uh, kind of put together who we think you know Missouri can beat, who they might get beat by. <laughs> this is worrisome to me because I feel like when we're done with this, Missouri's not going to have the record I hope they're going to have. <laughs> no, that I mean, but that's the case a lot of times. And I mean, I think we kind of felt this way last year, and we ended up we felt this way in the middle of last year. And look at the way the season turned out. So. Uh, you never know. Uh, like I said, we're 42 games out, 42 days out from uh, the first kickoff, which will be against uh, Southeast Missouri State, uh, home game, and the kind of game you put on your schedule to uh, to beef the record up going down late in the season. That's on September 5th. Uh, Colin, I assume that you're going to put Missouri down for a win against this CMOS Red Hawks squad. I, I, I will. I think the Red Hawks are probably going to ass whooping coming. Yep. Okay, so uh, that, like I said, that's on the 5th. Then the next week we, we immediately go on the road to another non-conference opponent where we play Arkansas State down in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Again, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, I don't know anything about Arkansas State, um, but if they can't, Missouri can't beat Arkansas State, then we might as well not even talk about the rest of the season. So <laughs> We're not doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then uh, on the 19th of September, we have another home game against a team we've never faced before, UConn, the Connecticut Huskies. Again, I feel like if uh, we can't beat UConn, you yeah. Know, yeah. basketball school. And then, uh, right, um, of course, we played a basketball school last year that we thought we could walk away with a win for. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> so um, our, we open our conference schedule on September 26th against a favorable road opponent, Kentucky. Um, Kentucky picked last uh, by the media in the SEC East. They're, you know, my own, the only uh, thing I've heard about Kentucky is that, you know, they've got a – uh, fair to Midland quarterback, and they, they mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've read articles that, that if Kentucky's going to have a chance, it's going to be because their quarterback uh, kind of takes a step forward. So, but I don't, I don't foresee the Mizzou having a, a huge issue with Kentucky. Okay, so that would put the Tigers at four and zero before our first real um, challenge, as far as what uh, the experts might think, which is uh, South Carolina. We're going to play them early this year on October third. This has turned into a little bit of a rivalry for the mm. Tigers in the conference division. They play. brought that up to Spurrier in his media day, like uh, about the Missouri coming a, a bit of a rival. And shockingly enough, he wasn't insulting to us when he answered the <laughs> questions. I really, when they said that, I yeah, you know, that's good. Good that Missouri thinks they're 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 a rival, but he didn't. He was like, yeah, yeah, they're Columbia over there. We've traded shots, and they're a good team. They're not going to beat themselves. Now he wasn't. Overly complimentary, but he basically paid Pinkle a compliment and said, you know, these guys are He didn't laugh off the question. No, no, and knowing Spurrier's attitude, he very easily could have, Mm -hmm. which might have been good for content for the show, but unfortunately, he was very (laughs) complimentary. So uh, what do you think Missouri's going to do against the South Carolina squad? I feel like they're going to beat them. Unlike the uh, press from the SEC uh, country, I'm not looking for them to have a great season. Yeah, if, I I mean... And we're at home. I don't see any reason that... South Carolina should be appreciably better than what they were last year. Uh, and I don't see any reason that we should be any appreciably worse. So I, I, no. I don't think that's a, a, a rough pick. Uh, we, we come across uh, our next game on October 10th, which is another home game uh, against Florida. And uh, much like the last two seasons, I have no idea really what to expect out of this Florida squad. Well, Florida's got a new coach. Um, and while I don't discount the fact that he's probably going to be better than Will Muschamp, I feel like it takes more than – 
I, I feel like when you get a new coach, it's hard to hit the ground running. So right. I'm going to give, especially being at home, I'm going to give uh, Mizzou the benefit of the doubt on this one. Well, if, that, if, if things play out like you're predicting, that would put Missouri at 6-0 and before we uh, go on the road to face what might be one of the toughest challenges on the schedule, which is October 17th, we go to Athens, Georgia, to play the Bulldogs. This is a, a game that, uh, to me, is season-defining. Right. Um, I oh, mean, absolutely. If, if we won this game, it would turn the SEC on its ear. Uh-huh. Um, again, all of the, the media talking heads would basically just – probably have a fucking aneurysm if Mizzou won. I don't know how they would uh, uh, explain it away, especially since we'd be in Athens. Mm-hmm. But l- let me say this. I don't expect us to win either. Uh, Georgia's, in my opinion, the favorite to win the East, despite what everybody else seems to think yeah. in that c- neck of the woods. Um, so I'm going to go put them down for a loss. But I also don't think we match up well against Georgia this season. I don't either. Are, you know, I – I think we've said before, I feel like Mizzou's defense is predicated on speed, which uh-huh. is great. But when you when you face a team that's got a you know, two hundred plus pound jam it up your ass running back, that's you know, speed is great, but man, you gotta have some beef in the middle to slow that kind of thing down. And and kind of before the Georgia game last year we said, you know, can we win? It's gonna come down to can you we control Gurley? And I think in this right. case it's gonna can we control Nick Chubb? And I don't think we can. Yeah, and and the thing I remember going into that game, Gurley was recently suspended, and we thought you know we had a little bit of false optimism going into yeah. that game because uh, one we didn't know anything about Nick Chubb yet, and two we didn't realize how inept the offense was going to be. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have to be a lot better on offense. I don't know well, if we have the guns to do it. We had a lot of turnovers in that game, and I don't know if that's a credit. To, I mean, it would be disingenuous to not give credit to Georgia for that, but I think part of that was just. Shit, shit luck, too. I mean, you're yeah. going to have those games where everything falls apart. The next week, I mean, look at Florida. The next week had five turnovers. We beat them badly with only 20 yards of passing. So yeah. you're going to have those days where you're going to look like shit. And, unfortunately, we had ours at home against Georgia. Yeah, and, and Matty Mock was entirely ineffective in that game. Yeah, I think I was calling for Eddie Prince at that point. I was like, 20 oh, yards yeah. passing? Are you kidding me? This guy's a rockhead, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. um uh, so, yeah, there yeah. you go. So uh, then we've got uh, October 24th. We stay on the road, but we go to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Another win. Yeah. Vanderbilt is picked ahead of Kentucky this season, but they were absolutely abysmal last year, and I absolutely don't see any reason our Tigers should not be able to beat the Commodores. Yeah, that little that little ray of a decent season they had a, a, a year ago, actually the previous year, was I feel like a complete uh, – product of good coaching right he got out of those kids everything you possibly could and since he's left i don't expect them to do anything yeah, it was but a tr- lose terrible fall off after he left and, yep. and uh so after those two road games on um november 5th and as pinkle likes to say uh championships are won in november mm-hmm. uh we play at home against a team we don't have a lot of experience against mississippi state dan mullen's squad dak prescott the atheist <laughs> God will be on the, our side. The godless Mississippi State Bulldogs. I don't know. They were they were really good for a huge portion of the year last year, and I'd be lying if I said I'd lost. I'd watched a ton of Mississippi State football or had any idea what they were bringing back to the table. So, I think I will play the law of averages here and just say that we're going to lose some games, and they're a West team. They're going to be battle hardened by this point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm going to unfortunately pick 
the uh, Tigers to lose this one. Sure, and, and Mississippi State is a program that generally Missouri is going to win that matchup, I feel like. They're, but, Missouri's a better program than them. Yeah. But uh, last year they were so strong, and there shouldn't be a ton of fall-off this They're in the season. middle of a resurgence right now. Right. Like I, I think nine times out of ten in most seasons you'd probably think, oh, Mississippi State, well, that's a matchup we like. But right. We're picking them at the wrong time. Yeah, exactly. So uh, October 14th, we're going to play similarly to a home game, but it's a, it's a, a neutral site. We're going to go to Arrowhead Stadium to play another team we don't play often, BYU. Now, BYU could be a little scary. I feel like um, the dangerous part of this one is will Mizzou take them seriously because they're not on Mizzou's level and they're not in the, an SEC caliber team, but they are a competitive team usually. Right. And so it's, it, could be, it could be a little scary. but um, It's a trap game almost. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the um the uh I I give them a win here. I I feel like at Arrowhead the atmosphere will be cool and I don't think BYU is going to travel that well to Kansas City. Um but uh So you don't think it's going to be a trap. It's a trap. Well, it's a trap game, but I think it's, it's going to come out as All right. All right. <laughs> but uh the button's sticky. Uh yeah, so Missouri gets the win at BYU according to the Colin O'Meter. And uh, let's see, then we have a, our final home game of the year. Uh, this is going to be interesting to me because of the way the media talks about this team. Uh, but we've had our way with them of late. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee Volunteers coming to Columbia. Well, um, everything I've heard from the SEC media is that Joshua Dobbs is legitimate, with yeah. or without eyebrows. But this is the same media that you know, picks South Carolina to win the East. I mean, I just don't know how much credence to honestly give them because I feel like they really do look at this league through SEC-colored goggles. You know what I mean? I really feel like I, I trust um, almost national media more when it comes to predictions for this league because I feel like the SEC media is so in love with their own conference that they can't be trusted to make educated decisions. Right. But they've got a lot of co- confidence. They've got a lot of good players. Butch Davis has, to this point, uh, Jones. Jones, yeah, sorry. It is, it is, it seems to be a good coach, though I will say this. If they don't have some success this year, I think the shine's going to come off him pretty quick. I agree. Because they've been talking that, oh, he's a good coach, he's great at recruiting, and this, this, the sun's going to rise this year on him. And That's uh, the danger of, of when you get labeled as a good recruiting coach, if you don't get some results out of these guys. And this is at home or away? This is in Columbia. In Columbia. Hey, it's at home. I'm going to give it to the Tigers. Yeah, we beat them on the road last year, and, and we – we beat their Joshua Dobbs quarterback last year as well. We've seen the guy, and we've kind of ahead. So um, I think that's uh, it's a good call. I mean, I, the end of the schedule it gets a well, it always gets tough, but um, you know, I'll I'll take that win. Uh, the final game of the year, which is always going to be the case, I guess nowadays with our new rival Arkansas, but this year we're playing them at Fayetteville. Yeah, and um, if again you're, the SEC media is to be trusted, Arkansas is supposed to be good this year and i have a much easier time buying this one than tennessee yeah they were a tough win last year but we and they were a tough win but and they were a tough out for everybody else too and despite their record they were a tough out i mean bama beat them by one right they've got an enormous uh, offensive line uh, i think they're playing with a lot of confidence i mean right now everybody's buying into the bolina bolima you know shit and uh, yeah. i think uh oh boy I want to pick Mizzou, but I'm going to pick Arkansas here because I feel like they're going to be battle tested and it's yeah. at their place. And it was like Booger McFarland said they play a almost play almost a Big Ten style. Yeah, exactly. Game. And I think we talked about with Georgia and Nick Chubb that Mizzou's speed penetrated offense or defense, I should say, 
might not match up so well with um, with the Arkansas Razorbacks. That being said, they got questions at quarterback. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, they have some really big questions at quarterback by that time. And maybe, yeah, I mean, whether it be Tennessee or Arkansas, you, you leave open to the fact that some of these teams could have really fallen on some hard times, right? With injuries and things like that. Yeah, you never know the question marks. Um, so with that being said, that puts your predicted season at uh, the Tigers finishing up eight and three, which I think is conservatively optimistic. I, I, th- I mean, I think that's that's well within what uh, a lot of the talking heads have put Missouri at. Uh, or I'm sorry, nine and three. Yeah, nine and three. That's what I yeah. got. And um, if one of those games, just one of them, flips, and you're at ten and you're you know ten and two going into uh, the bowl season and possibly an SEC. Championship. championship game. I mean, again, I, I know the SEC doesn't know anything about Mizzou and they don't want to, but I don't see how they could sit down just like we are right now and look at their schedule and go, you know, nine and three, 10 and two is not at least a possibility. Well, let me ask you this with that in mind. Um, of the games you predicted Missouri to win, who do you think is the most likely that that won't be accurate for, that they'll actually lose of, of your predicted wins? Who do you think is the easiest was, to fall off? I'm going to say Tennessee just because they're if they're what everybody's predicting them to be, then they're going to be this juggernaut. I mean, they're really several people are saying they're going to win the East. Right. So you know, I guess if if I'm to believe the quote unquote experts, then that would be the team I figure could could beat us. On, uh, conversely, of the three losses you have, who do you think Missouri um, is of those teams most likely to surprise you and actually pull in a win? Mississippi State. Yeah. I feel like Mississippi State. There's a real chance that after a year, a big, big year, they could have a tremendous drop off. I really feel like there's a chance they may just completely shit the bed. Sure, I, I agree with that. I, um, yeah. So I mean, what we're talking about basically is Missouri could easily go eight and four. They could easily go ten and two. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, let's see. We're running out of clock, so let's take another break. Let and- me ask you a hypothetical, real quick, Brennan. I was thinking about this because of the Big Twelve uh, media day. Um, because uh, Oklahoma has fallen a hard time. You're talking about their president, and Stoops is starting to take more uh, criticism right. over the years now. And uh, it got me to thinking, because Gary Pinkle is old. Dangerous, yeah. Let's just say, hypothetically, next year, Gary Pinkle, for some reason, decides to retire. He's got a heart condition. He's got to leave the game. He's having fainting goat fake heart attacks like Urban Meyer. Correct. And uh, he, he steps away. Oklahoma has just fired Bob Stoops. Okay. And Missouri hires Bob Stoops. Oh, and that world, what would you, I mean, honestly, though, I mean, because you're talking about a coach that's had a lot of success, <laughs> but is, has a reputation for being just the most morally bankrupt cocksucker in college football. Well, I don't know much about our new athletic director, Mac Rhodes, but I do know the way. I'm college, not saying if he's hired, Brennan, or what they're thinking would be what if he was hired. What if, what if he was hired? <laughs> it, it would be a really tough pill for me to swallow because I I rank Bob Stoops within my top three coaches I hate most in the world. Mm-hmm. Right up there with a Steve Spurrier and uh, uh, Nick Saban's too easy. It's yeah. a that's an easy pick. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bob Stoops as our coach that would be. Be paramount. It's sacrilegious. It's, it's so what would happen is it would. I'd hate it to a degree. I would hate all the baggage that he has with him and all his Oklahoma history. But then there would be this part of me that's really optimistic about what he could actually do to the program, sure. and it would make me feel awful and so icky. Yeah, yeah, it would exactly. just feel icky. Exactly. Um, it's it's crazy because 
I would be proud of Mizzou for hiring somebody that you've heard of before. Because right. even when they hired Gary Pinkle, and for all his success, was he came from uh, was it Tulsa and uh, or Tulane or where the fuck was he? No, well, let's see, he played Kent State, and he, he no, he was he was in Toledo. Toledo, thank you. So you know, he was nobody you'd ever heard of when they hired him. Following a proud Mizzou tradition of hiring people you had never heard of, and right. if they hired Bob Stoops, they'd be like, "What the what?" Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'd be proud of him from the standpoint that they hired a, a, a name, but at the other side, God, I mean. Well, thankfully, it's such it's, it's, it's such a oh, crazy circumstance, a number of circumstances that have to fall in place to ever make that a possibility. But uh, I want to wash you, that idea out of my head. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know how many kids. Uh, I, I feel like is hitting defenseless women part of the recruiting process. Ugh. Or is it just happenstance with Oklahoma? It's you know I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt. It's not part of the recruiting process. It's just that when it happens, he's affected his his since he has no soul mm-hmm. or moral compass. It it's a zero on the radar. It does nothing to him if it doesn't affect his ability to play football. I think Saturdays. ultimately the 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 hard times Oklahoma has fallen on maybe just be karma at some yeah. point. You know what I mean? It's just like you can't. He is willing to overlook any indiscretion to make sure his football team is good. And ultimately, even with all those uh, turning a blind eye to all those problems, he's not doing very well right now. Yeah. yeah. And it's um, Jeebus. Fate's a bitch. <laughs> we got to take a break. I am going to sign us off. We're going to come back here with Kansas News. Mm-hmm. So uh, The segment you guys have been listening to us drone on about forever to just to hear. That's right. So, if you uh, haven't already fast-forwarded. <laughs> this is the Mazzotcast. And we're back, and it's time for the part of the show that people actually want to listen to. Yep, here we go. It's Kansas News. This is Kansas News. Our first story headline is titled, Kansas Congressman Appears in Controversial Film. (laughs) U.S. Representative Tim Holskamp appears in a controversial documentary comparing gay rights to communism, Nazi concentration camps, and gay marriage. And, uh, or, I'm sorry, and, uh, you know, communism and Nazi concentration camps. Oh, so that's it, Brennan? That's, that's all, all, I, that's all that, I compared it to? That's, that's it. Yeah, not too bad. So the Kansas congressman joined other well-known Republicans, such as Mike Huckabee and Rand Paul, in a documentary pushing what they call a Christian message against gay marriage. Uh, the the Kansas News Organization wanted to know why Holzkamp decided to be part of the documentary titled Light Wins. With uh, every question, he kept telling the reporter that he was only in seven seconds of the film, but he was actually in 28 seconds of the film. Uh, in it, he says... Again, uh, Kansas school system failing. Yeah. He can't count. He blamed the Supreme Court justices and said that essentially um, they call... Bill Clinton and Barack Obama bigots because they only recently changed their position on gay marriage and called the 43, uh, you know, the Supreme Court basically called the 43 million Americans who don't want gay marriage uh, bigots and the ones who voted for gay marriage amendments across the United States. And so uh, 
the congressman uh, participated in the documentary but downplayed his role, even though the, the film's Facebook page listed him in a starring role. Um, he tried to backpedal away from it without uh, so much as saying that he didn't believe in what the message of the documentary was. Um, he said, uh, but opponents of Holzkamp said anyone who compares something to Nazi Holocaust, the only thing that can compare to Nazi Holocaust is the Nazi Holocaust. So people using that kind of rhetoric, they're, they have an agenda and they're trying to sell something. Um, it's available on DVD but can also be viewed on YouTube. Wow, so, so they expect people to buy a DVD of this horse shit? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who the people are who are going to watch this, but I don't think they're going to change minds with it. I think no. they're going to reinforce things. No. Um, so um, it's pretty much par for the course for Kansas opinions on the matter. Sure. Progressive, sure. Progressive. forward-thinking Kansans. <laughs> um, but, you know, typical stuff. Great job, Holst Camp. Our second story, new science building New science buildings rise to the top of KU's budget wish list. This brought um, came to my interest because it was a story actually about the University of Kansas, our good friends. Let me read you this and, and tell you tell me what you think about it, Colin. It comes to us from the the um, Topeka, um, or actually the Lawrence Journal World. Um, I said in Topeka, uh, reporter said Kansas University's aging science buildings have major shortcomings. Shocking, <laughs> major enough that the antiquated facilities could be in. Could in the future cost KU membership to the prestigious organization known as the AAU, Association of American Universities. KU Provost told the Kansas City Board of Regents on Thursday that moving forward with constructing new integrated science buildings, um, as called for in a campus master plan, um, is KU's top budget enhancement request for the year 2017. The average age of KU's current science buildings is 59 years, and they're fraught with problems. Electricity outages, explosions, and fire alarms triggered by experiments have led to 30% loss in productivity time. Precise temperature control, dust control, and water quality are needed for experiments, and they are also lacking. The, so they're, they're the, the age of their scientific uh, knowledge uh, based on these buildings is uh, somewhere in the same time span of where their social uh, viewpoints <laughs> usually land. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's interesting to me that they're, they're having explosions. That seems to be... <laughs> <laughs> kind of underplaying that part of it. Uh, so these are not mere bury the lead. <laughs> <laughs> these are not mere annoyances or inconveniences. In recent years, antiquated facilities have literally cost millions of dollars in lost grants. Donors have made major gifts to enable a number of other buildings in Kansas, including a new school of business and a new home for uh, Naismith's original rules of basketball. Now under construction, science buildings housing freshmen and sophomore labs are crucial for recruiting and retaining student and faculty researchers, and they're simply not exciting to donors. It's interesting. Kansas donors don't care about science. Well, Shocking. Well, Brendan, if you're going to uh, discount evolution, you need scientific data to back that, that viewpoint up. Well, th that got me thinking, and, and uh, looked a little deeper on the top needs for University of Kansas. They needed uh, a science building for uh, – they need a new alchemy building for the research of turning prairie dog dung into gold. Wow, that's – well, if they can get that pulled off. Yeah, that'll solve a lot of problems. Yeah, prosperity. Uh, they need a new astronomy building for the study of the sun's revolving around the Earth. Yep, yep. And they need a new <laughs> medical facility for the study of bloodletting. <laughs> and they need an archaeology building for the study of uh, ancient 5,000-year-old items from the beginning <laughs> of Earth's history. So yep, yep. all of those things are desperately needed over at the uh, KU research facilities. Sure, sure. I... You know, if they're if they're going to uh, 
learn, you know, teach these students about uh, dinosaurs, or as they're known in Kansas, Jesus horses. Right. They're going to have to. They're going to have to get up to snuff. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, the next story is probably what I'm going to say is the most important story. Important story I'm bringing to you today. No danger from millions of gallons of sewage in river. <laughs> So uh, Kansas health officials say there is no cause for alarm after three incidents in which millions of gallons of raw sewage spilled into the Kansas River at Topeka. The latest incident on Tuesday when a sanitary sanitary sewer main leak caused 55,000 gallons gallons of sewage to enter the river. Three million gallons of raw sewage spilled into the river in late April after a power failure at a pump station. Earlier this month, the city released partially treated sewage into the river, which was also allowed because of heavy rainfall. Kansas Department of Health and Environment said Thursday investigators tested bacteria levels after each incident and found them to be normal. Yep. So if you want to drink turd water. It's unbelievable that um, <laughs> there's literally the, the, the rivers are running full of shit. <laughs> the other unbelievable thing to me about this story is that, uh, that shit water rivers are considered normal. <laughs> It's, it's not the course. Not really affecting water uh, treatment, water levels. It's I feel just, like what they eat and drink on a day-to-day basis. Maybe they're. I guess this is a, uh, I don't know, perspective sort of thing. But is that comparatively? I mean, yes, it would be detrimental for us to drink shit water, but mm-hmm. it's kind of what they're accustomed to, so it doesn't mm-hmm. hurt them. It's not like it's not hurtful. It's just not hurtful to them. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, but I mean, goddamn, literally millions of gallons of raw sewage and shit running through the rivers, <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 it's fine. It's good. It's, it's good. It's, it's all fine here in Kansas, normal stuff. But it does lead into our next story, which is uh, Commissioner Credit's poo joke for bringing attention to sewer leaks. Mm-hmm. Lawrence City Commissioners at their meeting Tuesday night said they may send a letter to state and federal environmental regulators regarding releases of sewage into the Kansas River that have come from Topeka's wastewater treatment plant. Uh, there have been two instances of the uh, raw sewage, most recently the 55,000 gallons we talked about earlier. And um, But if the commission wants to send a letter, they may not want to put Commissioner Matthew Herbert in charge of writing it. Uh, Herbert posted a strongly worded statement in, on his Facebook page Tuesday that read... Uh, I was elected on April 7th. Today marks the 104th day in office. Today also marks, marks the third time your city has dumped thousands of gallons of sewage into the Kansas River, set on a course for my fine city. It was funny the first time. It made you look incompetent the second time. And now on this third offense, it's going to start. I'm going to start leaving flaming bags of poo in your city steps until you figure out a permanent solution for your feces disposal. Love, Lawrence City Commissioner Matthew Herbert. So um, that's how they handle things, the government level. Yeah, Kansas. was that was that the one that was sent to us by a listener, Brent? <laughs> I don't know. I, I pulled this up on my own, but oh, maybe okay. someone. But, uh, yeah, so he says it was a tongue-in-cheek response, and it helped draw attention to the problem. Um, but uh, I think... Being that they're gallons and gallons of shit. It's a tit-for-tat response, essentially. Yeah. You send us shit, we send you shit. <laughs> um, the poop in bag variety is uh, less contaminant than the river, though. So um, <laughs> it boggles my mind. It just can't. You go to Lawrence, Kansas. Don't drink the water, much like Mexico, because it's rife with shit. <laughs> Turd blossoms. Montezuma's revenge, or in this case, Brownback's revenge, is what we'll call it. <laughs> the river runs brown with shit. Uh, but uh, as much fun as the Kansas shit story is, the last story is also very important. Too fat to fight, Kansas general warns of childhood obesity's effect on the military. 
a report titled Retreat is Not an Option for Kansas as Part of a National Effort. A widening epidemic of childhood obesity is taking a toll on the nation's armed forces. A group of retired Kansas generals said Wednesday, leaving many young Kansans too overweight to enlist and costing the military billions of dollars annually in health care costs. In a report titled Retreat is Not an Option for Kansas, six former generals wrote that 71% of Kansans between the ages 17 and 24 are unable to serve in the military, a figure that the generals largely attribute to obesity. This includes young adults and families with generations of military service and others who have critical skills and military needs but cannot join because of the extra pounds. Um, not shocking or shocking? No, not shocking at all, I wouldn't think. I, I feel like you know it's a problem, obviously, but Kansans shouldn't worry too much about it. There's so many militias. That's true. In Kansas, they can join instead of the military. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah there's so, plenty of options for them. Yeah, I mean. So it says, with 71% of its young adults ineligible for military service, Kansas ranks among the worst in eligibility rate of the 50 states and, dis- and the District of Columbia, according to DOD figures. Now, that is shocking from the standpoint of you've got the entire South. Well, hear me out here. It says, Hawaii had the nation's lowest rate of obese people not available, while Mississippi uh, had 78% ineligible, the nation's highest. In addition to poor health, inadequate education, and history of crime or drug abuse can disqualify one from military service. And I think all those factors are also uh, prevalent in the state of Kansas. Sure, absolutely. It is interesting because I would think that the... I'd like to send. I'd like to have Kansas people on the front lines, but unfortunately, that's not going to be able to be the case no. because they're too yeah, fat. You, you, truthfully, that you know, reinforce you, those Humvees. <laughs> you know, the army needs a vanguard, yeah. and you'd hope that they're all Kansas residents. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I mean, when human when wall. I think about human shields, I think again, actually I, the obesity might make it better. Yeah, you know what? I think maybe send those fat, fat Kansans to the front line. The uh, the generals are being a little bit short sighted in this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's not like they have to walk from battle to battle. They can ride in oversized tanks <laughs> with specially built seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. I, I I feel like uh, this is exactly what. Or they could they could run to the front lines on their Razzie. <laughs> I pretty, I think we've talked about before that if you have nothing good to say about. Kansas, then we're just fanatical and we hate them, and that we have nothing uh, legitimate to say. But I think, again, these generals are being short sighted. And I would say that I think Kansans are the best human shields. Mm-hmm. They're the best people to put on the front line, part of because of their obesity. But, you know, I'm all for Kansas in this case. I'm going to give Kansas a ton of credit here. I think they're the best soldiers to be in the front, uh-huh. taking the bullets. Right in the front. They also bring their own guns. <laughs> You know, <laughs> they have to, they're turned away. They all show up with guns at the recruiting. Like, yeah. Listen, you don't have to bring your own. We're going to give you guns. Yeah. Put away your musket. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe the generals have, have it all wrong here. Well, I think they might. Well, and, and God, all these fat Kansans, think of that. Think of the awful, awful shit that's running through a river. So these guys in their Dorito diets. Well, maybe that's part of the reason for the obesity. Has anybody talked about the calorie content in human shit? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it recycles, but I mean the, the I mean, production water, of it alone. Water in and of itself is zero calories. Right. But maybe these guys are drinking a tremendous amount of calorie-laden water because it's filled with so much fecal matter. Right. Uh, although I don't know that they drink much water. It's mostly Mountain Dew. Uh, and Monster Energy water. drink. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's – maybe they drink Mountain Dew and Monster Energy drink because the water's poisoned with shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so, but it's I doubt it. It's a chicken or the egg situation, really. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's, that is an exciting day in Kansas news, and I think that is, that's what we brought to the table today. Sure. So that's Kansas news, everybody. Yeah, so uh, that was exciting for me. Sure. I think we should just maybe we should edit out the entire first 55 minutes of the podcast and just mm-hmm. put that out there. Well, and let's just give a note to our listeners. Maybe we could record it earlier, skip ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, is there anything else that uh, is going on in the football world, a college sports front that you wanted to bring up before we shut this thing down? No, not that I can think of. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing going on. No, there really isn't. Um, Brian, anything? Yep. That's, nope. you know, Brian not here is about the same contribution yeah. as when he is present. <laughs> yeah. So he is, uh, he, like we mentioned, he's away. He's taken a lover, and I don't know how that's affected his sexual demons. Yet, but, uh, I, it couldn't have helped. It yeah. couldn't help. I feel like it's only going to inflame it. Yeah, but I have to think it was her suggestion to uh, try to get some, uh, some, help. some help for it. So. Sure. I guess we'll sign off on that note. Um, I'm Brendan Steenbergen, and uh, with me? Colin Steenbergen. And so uh, go Tigers. Missouri. Jesus horses.